The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. With regards to giving, and um, you know, I've shared this before, um, my heart was really hardened to giving. Uh, I, when I was growing up, um, I don't want to give away my age or anything, but there was a lot of TV evangelists taking advantage of a lot of people, and so my heart really hardened, I'm going to be honest with you, with regards to giving. Um, and then it just kind of turned into a selfish thing. I just liked keeping my money. I'm just going to be real honest with you. But I realized that was a, a selfish way to live. And what I like about coming to Crosspoint is there's some transparency. That's what I like about it. I also like that when I go online, I can pick wherever I want to send my giving. It can be to the general tithe, but I don't know if you guys have hit that little drop-down menu, but there's several other ministries that this church is involved with, and we can allocate wherever we want. So uh, I know for me, uh, giving and just seeing where that money goes has changed my heart completely with regards to giving. Because again, I know it's a touchy, touchy, touchy subject with a lot of people. Uh, I always make the joke, it seems like every time I invite someone, that's when the pastor decides to have a conversation about giving, right? It's always that day. And then I have to shake my head and go, that's not all we talk about. I promise, come back, right? So anyway, if you guys could grab your Bible, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 14, uh, verses 21 through 28. Give you a second as we, as you find that spot in the Bible. So here we go. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga, then went down to Attilia. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work that they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the doors of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. Thank you, Stephen. Everybody right now, just do this with me. You can put them up way high in the air. You can just, however you want to do it here. Okay. So right here, I, I, I can wait for you. If you're not going to do it, I'm, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> Somebody you're stubborn going, I'll tell, I'll show you. I'll just sit there and see how long you wait. Uh, if you're part of our church and you're currently serving on one of any of our weekend service teams, you can just kind of go like this or put your hands down. Okay, if your hands are still up, thank you for volunteering. Right now in our kids' men team, we need this many people. Between Saturday night and Sunday morning, this many folks we need to show up and help out with kids. Our whole mission here is all kinds of people discovering and following Jesus. And we don't believe that you have to be an adult to do that. In fact, our hope and prayer is that our kids grow up the world's most boring testimony in the world. They don't have to shipwreck and jack up their life with all kinds of craziness. They can follow Jesus their whole life and see the joy and the beauty of the kingdom of God life in their life, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens because people sacrificially, joyfully serve. So on that 
connection card they just had you fill out. Those of you that had your hands still up, you're part of our church, and you're not yet serving anywhere uh, on our weekend teams, there's a place on the back to write down kids' men or just write us a message, kids' men, talk to me about that. And uh, Rebecca is probably back there with the kids. Tawny's right here, down front. Tawny, stand up for a second. Sorry. Tawny, Tawny works with our kids' men team. Tawny, I'll introduce Rebecca to you at the end of the service. Thank you. If you have questions about that, just come chat with her. I'm telling you, it's an exciting place to, to be involved and work with those kids, the energy, the questions, all of that that you get to do. And you have the chance to go, here's the, here's the, the beauty of this. Yeah, I don't remember the guy's name, but there was a dude at Trinity Baptist Church in San Jose, California when I was in second grade. He probably had no idea the significance of what he was doing. He was just showing up to do his deal. And at one point uh, in November of my second grade year, I just said, I'm going to ask Jesus in my heart. You get the privilege of seeing kids become born again at an early age and walk with Jesus their whole life. So I need 10 of you. And I'll keep coming back for you. We have all kinds of places to serve here. So if it's not in kids, men, get in some men. Don't just sit back and be a passive consumer here. If you want to be a passive consumer, I have names of churches I can send you to. Nobody here is passive. If, if you're not serving here somewhere, we're doing it wrong. So get involved. Jump in somewhere, somehow. Okay? Good. Stephen just read for us these verses out of uh, Acts chapter 14. I wonder today, got a question for you. We'll see if you guys do any better than the Saturday night people did. Who in here wants to win? Okay, that sounds like the sophomore girl softball team. Who in here wants to win? All right. There is a game plan for success that's laid out in what uh, Stephen just read for us. But it's not like the self-help books at the bookstore where they give you, here's the 14 reasons of the four keys for success. It emerges right out of the story, out of the narrative that's here. We're going to kind of go back through it and take a look at it. Before I do that, I want to show you a map of, of all these cities. This today is where Turkey is. Back then it wasn't called Turkey. It was called Asia and Asia Minor. It was where places like Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, were the regions there in the Roman Empire. Uh, the Antioch churches becomes the hub, the sending out of Paul and Barnabas to say, we're not just going to see if churches start, we're going to be strategic about that. And they go to the island of Cyprus, they go over to Attilia, Perga, over in Antioch, Iconium, Derby, and Lystra. If you weren't here last week, you didn't hear a chance to hear Justin just bring it last weekend with what he talked about where, man, <laughs> in Lystra, you can get stoned for Jesus. It's awesome. <laughs> Four of you got that, yeah. Um, and then the arrows are here is where they, where they left and came back to Antioch. And to came, they're, they're reporting back in what happened when they got back to Antioch. Uh, I'm going to give you four keys for a game plan for success for your life. And I'm telling you right now, it's not just how to have, make more money, how to get a great marriage, how to whatever. There's 85 books and self-help books that help you do all that. I'm telling you right now, Jesus promised to bring us not a religion, but a kingdom. See, a religion is something that happens where your kingdom over here has one little part of it that's got a religious, spiritual part of it. Jesus, I'm not interested in that, he said. 
I got a whole new kingdom to bring you, and it's beautiful, and it's powerful, and it's amazing. He says, if you want it, if you want to win and be part of that kingdom, it, it emerges right out of the narrative here of what happens here. I'm going to give you the first one here. It says in Acts chapter 14, it says, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Anapisidia, where they strengthened the believers. The, the number one key for success, if you want to game plan your life for success, is write this down. Number one, be a disciple, not just a convert. It says nowhere in Jesus' great commission where he says, he doesn't say go into all the world and make converts of the nations. He doesn't want people just to get started. He wants, he wants you to be disciples. Uh, and and all a disciple is, for those of you who've been in church for a while, you'll have heard people talk about discipleship, like it's this super intense, super committed thing, and it's only for the elite. It's like for the Navy SEALs of Christianity. That's not the definition of discipleship at all. You know what Jesus said discipleship was? Matthew 28, 19, 20, read it sometime. He said, it's just obeying Jesus better today than you did yesterday. It's obeying Jesus. It's not learning more about Jesus. Because the Pharisees back then knew more about God and the Bible and Jesus and all the rest of everybody had to combine, and they're all going to hell, Jesus said. So you can know all about Jesus. It's following Jesus. It's putting that, your knowledge into action. So uh, be a disciple, not just a convert. And our whole deal here is we want to make disciples. We call it discovering and following Jesus. Get to know Jesus, follow him. And in some places, some, for some of you, your journey has been, I got born again, I got saved, I became a convert, and then I went through, like, I got discipled. Our whole deal is we don't start with conversion. We start with discipleship. We're discipling you in order to convert you. We want you to become a disciple of Jesus. Some of you are not Christians yet, and you're disciples. You're following Jesus in your marriage, in your finances. You came to church, your marriage, your life was a hot mess and a wreck, and you go, maybe Jesus has something to say about that. He absolutely does. He's going to tell you to come follow me, come check me out, come do life my way. At some point in there... There comes a point where you have to become born again. Jesus is going to look at you and go, you got to get saved, fool. You've made a mess out of your life. It's, you can't do this on your own. You need supernatural power. You need to be converted, born again. You need to get saved. And, and so I'm hoping that a lot of you that are here today that aren't yet Christians, maybe you're religious and you're fans of God, but never made that decision to follow Christ, that that place of faith gets birth in your soul today. And then for us, uh, throughout his, church history, when people become Christians, one of the first things they do is they get baptized. They get in some kind of body of water and get dunked. And if you're new to this, you're going, that's just weird, dude. I know, I get it, it's weird. Until you understand the symbolism behind it is that just as Jesus died and was buried in the ground and then raised to new life, so you too knew, how, you too knew, you now too have <laughs> died under the water symbolizes the death to yourself. The old you is gone. And there's a new life that's possible that's a kingdom kind of life. It's supernatural kind of life. He says, get on to that. So don't just be a convert. Anybody can do that, can start something. Be a disciple. Be a disciple. Get baptized. And he says they go back to strengthen these new believers. They didn't just say, okay, we got a bunch of Christians now and go, oh, well, they got to work it out. They need to be discipled in their faith. They had to go back and catch them up on some things, teach them and train them in some things. Uh, number two, uh, they tell them um, 
they strengthen the believers, they encourage them to, if you have your own Bible, or even if you don't have your own Bible or your mobile device, highlight that next word there, continue in their faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. The, the second thing, and we're going to spend a lot more time on this, so I'm going to go through it fast right now. We're going to come back to number two in a second. But number two is just get going and just keep going. Don't just start something. Continue in this process of, we call it here, our little phrase we use here for our mission is that we're discovering and following Jesus. Not that we have discovered and followed Jesus like something we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It's an ing thing. It's happening all the time, discovering and following Jesus. You started it. We're going to come back to this in a second. It says they also, uh, Paul and Barnabas, verse 23, appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting, turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Number three, the third key for success in your life is to submit to godly leadership and authority. Paul and Barnabas go back there and see these Christians, and a lot of them are not in big churches, even medium churches like ours. They're usually in house churches because nobody had any buildings yet. They didn't have, there wasn't any of that stuff yet. They would meet in homes, 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe 80 people, depending if a person was rich and had a lot of square footage, they would have a bigger gathering. And they put some structure in place to say, it's not a matter of just you guys just figure it out for yourself. Let's put some structure around this. Some men, some people on there, they're going to lead this. And, and the first Peter talks about what an elder is. Then an elder is someone, he says, is kind of like a shepherd with sheep. And a shepherd's job with sheep, they do a lot of different things, but their primary thing they do is to guard and guide. They guard the flock from the predators. They guide the flock to take them to different places, guide them to pasture, to water, to take care of them, guard and guide. Uh, and lots of different churches do this elder thing differently. Some of you have been in churches where elders are very seen and known. The elders are like the, like the staff of the church. They're called the elder of worship, the elder of children's ministry, and that's kind of, they've, they've done it that way. Other places, it's more uh, of a, an, uh, a behind the scenes kind of a thing. You're not really super visible and known. Um, elders for us, in terms of some of you are wondering, well, how do we do elders here? We just voted on five of them this last couple of weeks, is that elders are, for us, the highest level of human authority in the church. Jesus sits at the top of the org chart. Underneath that, who he designates to lead our church are elders who guide and guard our flock, uh, set direction for us, set boundaries for us, protect our doctrine, our theology, at times, they tell us to slow down. At times, they go, hey, we got to make a move here. We got to do something here. So they got in guard and do all that. One of the questions that comes up here, especially when we have a time to present our elders to you and ask you to vote on them because they have to be congregationally affirmed, saying we're going to submit to them, is I get questions all the time. In fact, I got them this time. Uh, probably 10 of little connection cards that came in on the vote said, well, I'm not saying no because I don't like the guy. I just don't know him. And the question is, well, shouldn't we know these guys more. And I, I wish we could figure out a way to do that more. Functionally, for you to know all the elders in a church of our size is impossible. Once you get beyond 50 to 80 people, it's impossible to know everybody well. Even the leadership, all the 
people who are designated in positions of leadership to, to know them well. And then functionally too, all these dudes have full-time jobs and responsibilities that they're doing. And so for them to be super visible and be leading all kinds of stuff and being visible and up here all the time, it's impossible for them to do that. They oversee our staff. They put the structure and the staffing together here to make sure we're doing church in a healthy, growing, vibrant kind of way. They, they're personal, they, they, they hold me accountable. The, the truth is, the elders right now, the way it works is, could fire me tomorrow. I don't have the authority here to keep myself around. I'm the founding pastor of the church. The only authority I have comes from Jesus to those elders designated. And those elders, if I mess something up or do something squirrely or stupid, I'm done here. I don't have any or major authority just because I'm the guy that gets up and yells at you guys once a week. And the truth is, even though they're not always visible, doesn't mean that they're not critically important. I'll, I'll prove it to you. When's the last time you saw, actually saw, in your body, your stomach, or your kidneys? Anybody? Seen them recently. Does that mean they're not important? We should see them more. No, you don't want your stomach and kidneys sitting right out here on your face. That'd be gross and weird. There's some things that are very, very important that are behind the scenes. Same thing like your car. Those are your car people out there. Your, your transmission, your catalytic converter, your oil, your oil filter. When's the last time you really saw it? If you change your own oil, you, you weirdos that do that, you've seen... <laughs> I stopped doing that a long time ago because my garage was a mess. But... Uh, yeah, there's a very, very important things that happen in a body, in a vehicle, things like that, that aren't always visible and seen, but are critically important. It says then that they went back. Uh, they, number one, it's like the key to success for you is be a disciple, not a convert. Uh, just get going, keep going. We're going to talk about that a little more in a second. Um, submit to godly leadership and authority. And then number four comes out of here where it says, upon arriving at Antioch, they called the church together, reported everything God had done through them, and how... He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. This is a spike the ball, touchdown dance kind of time. Look what God did here. Now, those of you who don't skip church, you know who you are. I see you every two weeks here. But those of you who are here all the time, <laughs> those of you who are here all the time, the last few weeks we've been talking about Antioch, Iconium, Derby, and Lystra. Did it go well in those settings for those, these disciples? It never went well. Every town they went into, they had people coming from 100 miles away to run them off out of town. In one place, they got stoned, and they, people thought they did such a good job, they thought they had killed them. And when Paul and Barnabas come back and talk about this, they don't stand up in front of the thing and go, well, man, it was really tough, and I don't know if we should do it because it's just awful, and it's just hard out there. It's a challenge out there. You know what they do? All they celebrate is they celebrate the win. They celebrate. Look what God did out here. Gentiles, these Gentile pigs that we thought were completely outside any possibility of being reached are now coming to faith in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And they're blown away. They spike the ball and get excited about it. This is important for some of you. Uh, need to be a little less like Eeyore and a little more like Tigger. Yeah, some of you are the Tigger that are going. Yeah, we know who you are because you bounce around and jump around. I'm going to settle down a little bit. But from time to time, quit complaining about your kids and how they didn't do this at school and they were tardy four times, all that. Did they make progress this year in math or science? 
In your marriage, I know he's a tool and a fool. Is he getting better at it? Is he just staying with you, for crying out loud? You're not so awesome either yourself, girl. <laughs> I have so much more to say that I just got to edit right now. Let's celebrate some wins, not always the challenges and difficulties. Every successful good thing you're going to do in your life is always going to have something you're going to go, ugh, about. Sometimes just be excited. Celebrate the wins. Now, I want to go back and look at number two, the just get going, just keep going. I think there's so much in here that's so instrumental for us being successful in this kingdom life that God has for us. It says that they encouraged them. When you hear the word encourage, that probably brings up a lot of things to you, a lot of spikes and like different synonyms and names and stuff like that. When I think of encourage, I think somebody gets me all excited, right? It's inspiration. And that's certainly part of it. But you know what the little word encourage means? You can just look at it in English and know what it means. It means in courage. It means you put courage into somebody. Sometimes that putting courage into somebody is go, come on, get fired up, whatever. Sometimes it's just crying with them, weeping with them. Sometimes it's helping them work through some difficult challenges and knowledges. It's to put something in there. And, and so what they're saying is, don't just start this faith. Don't just start this thing with Jesus. Continue with it. What that means is, you maybe want to write this down, it won't be up on the screen, you need inspiration and perspiration. You need inspiration and perseverance. There's a, um, a brand of theology called aqua liquid theology, and a, a famous, uh, her, uh, this doctor is Da Re, has a quick little thing to tell us about. Keep Listen. Swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dorino singing. <laughs> Some of you remember the movie, right? The little the dad fish is just discouraged. I'm just done. I'm quitting. And sometimes all you need somebody to do is say, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. That's what means to put courage in somebody's heart. That's why Jesus tells the story of all this seed that got scattered in a field some of it never grew anything. Some of it grew up for a bit. But then it got choked out and scorched out. Only, a, only some of it was fruitful. No farmer gets excited over the fact that, oh, how awesome it was that all this stuff started to grow and then it died away. What they want to see is fruitfulness. So he says, we want to just get going, just keep going. Continue in what God has for you. And what that means for us today Write some things down there on that uh, note sheet there on your program. What we need to do if we're going to get going and keep going is we need to move from trying to training. We need to move from trying to training. We overestimate what we can do with trying and underestimate what we can do with training. We think it's all about spiritual Red Bull. I got, we got to go to a retreat, go to a conference, go here to great church service. Get all fired up for God! How many of you know if you try to live on Red Bull, what's going to happen to you? Some of you are trying right now and you're a disaster. Anything you've ever done in your life that's been successful, think about it. A sport you played, an instrument you learned, a business you got involved in. Certainly there was, I'm going to try harder, but there was some things you just had to learn and just kind of show up and do every day. To be consistent with what God was calling you to do, asking you to do in your marriage. There are times when I 
I'm on fire. She's so hot. She's amazing. And sometimes, like, God says, love her no matter what. So take the trash out. And do I feel inspired at that moment? Don't feel one bit of inspiration. I am training myself to have a healthy, good marriage. Some of you need to recognize that uh, anything important in your life, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Turn back there. It's towards the back of your Bible. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. 1 Timothy 4, 7. I think the words will be up here on the screen. Paul says it this way to, to Timothy, a young man. He says, for, at 1 Timothy 4, verse uh, 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales, also called social media today. Do not waste time on Netflix and Hulu and Twitter and TikTok and whatever else. Instead, train yourself to be godly. He says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Training is vitally, vitally important for us. Uh, so what does it mean to train yourself for godliness, to train yourself to be successful in this life God has for you? And really it comes down to, and this is, this is nothing new and earth-shattering. Some of you are training yourself for godliness because you showed up to church today. Part of that is just consistent church involvement. Not like, oh, I'm tired today, or we're going to go... Yeah, I got time. Um, we're not skipping church for our kids' softball tournament every single time. Oops. Like, here's the deal. Your, your child might get a scholarship to college. Your child might go to semi-pro, pro someday. 100% chance your kid's going to heaven or hell. Mom will take that into account when it comes to what you tell them about how important God is in terms of what, if church is always getting sacrificed, you're telling them how important Jesus is. And God is. That was for free. It has nothing to do with this, but let's just keep going. Um, church, uh, re reading your Bible or getting the Bible read to you. You don't have no excuse anymore for learning disabilities because Google will just read it for you if, if you want. Uh, prayer, fasting from food or fasting from certain things that you're always in your life. Community is important. The kind of friends you put yourself around. We have small groups here where we have 25 of them that meet in different homes. We don't do this for Bible studies. You need strong Christian friends around you to sharpen you up and help you succeed in this life. You need stewardship of your time, talent, resources. And I think one of the most important ones we need in our culture is Sabbath, is to rest and take a day to just completely and turn everything down and not be frantically running around managing life and everything else. Uh, I want to encourage you today, uh, put some courage into your hearts to say yes, not to just start with Jesus, but to continue with him and build some of these practices into your life to continue with it. Here's the deal. A lot of people think, here's somebody get in shape, I'm going to join a gym. Does joining a gym get you in shape? You know what gets you in shape? Going to the gym. Uh, weight loss kinds of stuff, perhaps. I joined Weight Watchers, and I have all the food in my garage. Oh, we just think it's so awesome. But I joined. Like, joining doesn't do anything for you. You have to continue in it. And, and, and Paul here is telling us there is a kingdom of God life here 
right now that's so beautiful and so amazing, and then I hate what he says. I don't know if it's okay to say you hate the Bible, but I hate this part. He says there in verse 22, continue your faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter this beautiful kingdom of God. You know what I wish it said? (laughs) I wish it said, well, you won't suffer if you believe in Jesus. So there's some brands of Christianity that teach this nonsense. You believe in Jesus, and if you pray hard enough and believe hard enough and give enough and all that stuff, your life is going to be smooth and beautiful and amazing and easy. Uh, we, we want to avoid pain and suffering at all costs, and we think that Jesus is somehow this little magical force field out there. No, he says here in Acts 14, we must suffer many hardships. Trials and tough times are part of the deal, and this is important. He reminds them of this, which means he's already told them once. I'm rem- you guys have heard this from me time and time again. You- People sometimes go, how come we don't ever hear anything new at Crosspoint? Here's why you don't hear anything new. Until you start doing what you actually know, I'm not telling you anything new. If we actually applied half of what we already know, we'd change the world. I'm in therapy for that, but let's just keep going. In 2 Timothy, we were just there in 1 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy. There's a verse there that's super important that Paul uh, talks about in 2 Timothy. There's 1 Timothy and then 2 Timothy 3, 17. He says this. Oh, wait, maybe it's 1 Timothy. No, 2 Timothy 3.12, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 3.12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, next word, will, not might, not won't, not could, absolutely will, everyone, and everyone means even you, will suffer persecution. Jesus himself said it in John 15. Go to the left in your Bibles. If you get to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you've gone a little far back to the left. Go to the book of John. In case you're going, well, Paul's just a follower of Jesus. What does our guy say? What's like that king say? He said, I'm glad you asked. John 15, look at verse 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. So he's saying, don't freak out about it when it happens. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to like it and go, oh, bring it on. I just love being persecuted. But sometimes we, get, we think the way of Jesus is supposed to make it awesome and amazing and beautiful, and then bad things happen there. The good news of this kingdom life of Jesus is this. Don't miss this. Look right at me on this. The gospel is going to tell you that no matter what your life is like, whether your life is awful or amazing or something in between, purpose and joy are possible for you. And the world's going to tell you the only way you can get amazing life is just get rid of all the bad stuff out of it. Jesus says, oh no, you can have a beautiful life even if you're suffering terribly. And I look, I look around this room today and I go, I know, suffering, 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 suffering. 
Guys, I prayed for God to take it all away all the times, but he's telling us the way to this kingdom life that's going to be beautiful and amazing for you is not going to be tiptoeing through the tulips. It's going to be some valleys and some difficulties for you. And so on your note sheet today, under that little point there, it says hardship, won't, might. Cross out the words won't and might. (laughs) Cross those out, and in the blank, put hardship will happen. Hardship happens. There's other phrases we use for hardship that I can't say at church. (laughs) So when it comes to evil, bad stuff in the world, it's tricky. Like, why does bad, evil stuff happen in the world? I'm going to give you some real, we're going to run down through these really, really quick. Sometimes the reason bad stuff happens in the world is because you live in a broken, evil world. Do you guys know that Romans chapter 8 tells us that nature itself, not just people are bad, but nature's misbehaving. COVID, germs and bacteria aren't acting right because of sin. we live in a broken, evil world. There's also, number two, broken, evil people in the world. And you don't need verses for this. You just have to walk outside. There are broken, evil people in the world. Sometimes there are demonic attacks in our world. The book of Job talks to us about that. Sometimes we have an unseen enemy, Satan and demons, that can do things in the physical world that jack you up. And I'm not sure what those are or when those are. Don't try to figure out is this attack of Satan or whatever. The fourth one comes from a Hebrew word. I'm going to put up here on the screen. It's Nora Mamai. Nora Mamai. So it's up there on the screen. I want you guys to all get this because we're going to unpack this word here for a second. Say it with me. Noro Mamai. Again. Noro Mamai. One more time. Noro Mamai. Now here's the problem with that. The, this is written, it's a Hebrew word, and in the Hebrew language, they don't read from left to right, they read from right to left. So let's read it from now right to left. I am a moron. You know why bad things happen in the world sometimes? Here's a picture right up here for you. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes you're stupid and you made bad decisions. And I know this flies in the face of everything your children are being told and the dumb things you're telling your kids that they're a cupcake and a snowflake and a unicorn. You tell your kids they are a cupcake and a snowflake and a unicorn. They are a moronic, idiotic, black, wretched, cupcake, unicorn, snowflake. They are all those unique things. They're just a jacked up mess. Your kids, you, all of us. Sometimes bad things happen because we've done some stuff. And here's why it's important. Until you're willing to recognize this is my fault or most of my fault or some part of my fault, what we'll tend to do is deflect. We don't want to take the blame for this because we're a cupcake. And so we'll want to blame somebody else. Guys, I've been a pastor now for about 30 years. I've talked to hundreds of people going through stuff with their kids, with their spouse, with their finances, with their job. Not one single time has somebody come in and talked all the terrible things going on and said, you know whose fault it is? Mine. Not once. Now, here's what they'll sometimes do. Well, I know I've done some things and I know I have a contribution, I have a part to play in this, but... And then they talk about the big but they're married to. They talk about the evil person. They talk about the jacked up thing and it wasn't for that person. And guys, until you're willing to take your part of your responsibility, you know, some of the reason this happened here it's not because of him or her. It's because of me. 
I'm a moron. And I made a mess out of this situation. And here's why it's important, because even if the other person has done some things, and in almost every situation the other person has, the likelihood of you being able to change the other person, I've calculated out, done deep scientific calculations. You know what the chance of you changing anybody else is? The percentage chance is? You have no chance to change anybody else. Only control you have is over you. And that's tricky, I know, when you're in a difficult thing and like, well, what about I change and they don't do anything? You have no control over them anyway. You work on yourself. Number five, persecution is sometimes uh, the, the cause of our, our difficult times. Sometimes you're going to get attacked, you're going to be opposed, you're going to be persecuted only because you're a Christian. It's going to be because you're a Christian they're going to come after you. Jesus promised that. We just read those verses. And then number six, I think the Bible makes it clear, sometimes there are God causes or allows, God orchestrates suffering in our life. He brings himself suffering and hardship. And I don't like that, but the Bible's full of examples where it says the hand of God brought that there. You know why he does it? Because you're a jacked up, wretched, black-hearted sinner and you have idols in your heart and the only way to topple those idols out of your heart, he's got to send some jacked up, messed up stuff to get your attention. He's going to come and do that for you. He says we're going to suffer much hardship. That word hardship there, I'm going to put the word up here on the screen, it's called thlebo. Now don't try to read it backwards. <laughs> it actually is the word thlebo and we have some theologians uh, in our modern day, there, it's a team of guys. Uh, the, the lyrics are going to roll here in a second. Uh, 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 Bowie and McMur uh, Freddie Mercury. This song is called, you guys know the song? This is not Ice Ice Baby, you, <laughs> you stupid millennial. This is Under Pressure. Vanilla Ice ripped it off. Here, listen for it. Listen to hear it. Here it comes. Here's the lyric. Pressure. This is what he says. We're going to suffer much flebo. We're going to be squeezed. Squeezed to purify our lives. And sometimes not just to purify our lives, to squeeze the good stuff out of us. Sometimes pressure is the only thing that can do that. And Crystal and Arissa are here. We got a great song. It's a, it's a new song. Some of you might know it already. As you get the lyrics, sing along with us. It talks about this idea of pressure and crushing and new wine. And then I'll come back up and wrap things up.
just look beautiful they're awesome right Romans 8 28 is going to tell us that God works in all things for the kingdom life he wants for us the good stuff and even the nasty stuff. The, the trials that are evil people and the broken world, sometimes when you've been a moron and been an idiot and you've jacked things up, God's, I'll work in that. Nothing is too big for me to get out of. But here's the hard part. These grapes, if they could speak right now, when, when this starts to happen and they could speak, what do you suppose you're going to hear? You're going to hear, what are you doing, God? How come you're not stopping this? I can't believe you're allowing this in my life. And yet God's going to say, it's only in the crushing. And sometimes it goes on and on and on. I can keep doing that if we want, but sometimes trials aren't just to purify us. 
and get the nasty stuff out. Sometimes it's to get the sweet stuff out of my life. Some of what you're going through right now is God's going to squeeze you, squeezing some beautiful stuff out of you. And a world is looking around for people who do trials who just lash out and post out and freak out and blah about stuff. I'm allowing you to be squeezed, he says. My beloved children to squeeze beauty out of it. Jesus' little brother says, bless are those who persevere under the crushing, who don't become a grape and jump out of here and go, that's it, I'm done. He says, no, stay there. Remain under that. Beautiful stuff is being squeezed out of your life. The rest of the band's gonna come up now. Gonna give you a chance to reflect on this. We're gonna sing for a bit. Some of you today, I know your stories. I don't know all your stories, but I know enough of you to know that you came here today carrying stuff. You are being squeezed right now. To the point you think, I don't know if I can stand this much longer. Our prayer team is right there in the back of the house today. You need prayer today. Do not try to carry this on your own. Let them be with you and just pray for strength. Guys, and honestly, when I pray, I pray for deliverance, but sometimes I also pray for God. Sometimes I don't want deliverance, I want perseverance. Because if I stay in this beautiful, amazing stuff is gonna get squeezed out of me, it's gonna be so good for my life and for my family, for my wife, for my kids, for whatever. So come receive prayer today as we sing. In the four corners of the room, there is communion. It's the piece of bread and juice. Symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus given for us. We celebrate that every week, and this week, think about this for a second. God comes here in the person of Jesus. Could have come here as the king on the horse, telling everybody, bow down, shut up, and listen to me. And instead, you know what he does? He gets the life squeezed out of him. And listen to me, what got squeezed out of him saved the world save the world. So Jesus, today, quite honestly, I stand before you. I'm praying for deliverance. God, the truth is I know that in some places in my life, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I know people, God, we want to escape. We want out. We want out now. We need something supernatural to give us the ability to stay under the crushing the line of that song, God, even when I don't understand, and this is hard for us when we don't get it, we don't understand to stay there with you in it all. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.